This is the Picard Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about Star Trek Picard, Season 2, Episode 4, Watcher. Fellow Trekkies and Trekkers, this is TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about Star Trek Picard, Season 2, Episode 4, Watcher. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow Trekkies. I'm one of your other hosts, John. And rounding out this trio of Watchers, who watches the watching of the Watchers, I'm Chris. We're all watching the Watchers, yes. Yeah, exactly. Who watches the Watchers? We do. The Watcher. Yeah. We do. We are. <laughs> we it's, that just reminds me of the Simpsons. You remember who the uh, episode where it was the secret society? Remember the Stonecutters? Yes, I do. There you go. That song. That's... I'm not going to sing it because we'll get a copyright strike because I'm that close <laughs> to the original. Sure, oh, they were out of tune as well. Okay, they excellent. were. They were. Excellent. <laughs> well, fellow Trekkies, Trekkers, thanks so much for joining us for our chat about this episode of Star Trek Picard. A little bit later this week, uh, we had been lucky enough uh, to get the first couple of episodes uh, ahead of time from Prime Video. Uh, thank you very much, Prime Video, for giving us the first three episodes ahead of time. But uh, we didn't get this episode ahead of time, so we had to wait for it to come on Prime Video in the UK. So it has aired today. We've been able to watch the brand new episode, all based in 2024. So um, really interesting episode as well. Lots to talk about. Uh, so thanks for waiting for us uh, for our thoughts about this episode. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, first of all, to uh, Prime Video for doing this, uh, giving us it before. Uh, it obviously was uh, fantastic for those of us with the uh, crazy work schedules that we have. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at myself in the mirror here. Um, yep. But it, I actually enjoyed watching it. I, this sounds terrible at the same time. It's so rare sometimes where we get to watch it with the audience at that same kind of around that same time. So I, I actually managed to watch this pretty much as close to probably the, the, the rest of the world mm-hmm. as everyone else. And then just it's that all right straight away jumping over to twitter and seeing what everyone thought almost in real time where we we sometimes miss out on that and it was fun not gonna lie i missed my sleep on that one but (laughs) (laughs) uh definitely it was a unique experience that it was fun to have one more time with yeah yeah, lots of fun to do that, especially on weekly shows to kind of get an impression of what everybody else thinks. We are going to go into our spoiler-filled discussion about Star Trek Picard. But if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, you can subscribe to us over on tvpodcastindustries.com or you can just search for the Picard podcast from tvpodcastindustries.com on any federation or confederation supporting podcast player. You can also send us any feedback to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or you can hop on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash TV podcast industries. And you're going to want to subscribe to the podcast because we are picking up another show from next week. We're definitely going to see him coming. Moon Knight from Marvel is coming to Disney Plus from next Wednesday, the 30th of March. I forgot what month it was for a second. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the one and only Moon Knight? 
Marvel's answer to Batman. I'm, I'm joking before any before any of our fellow Moon Knight <laughs> fans or Marvel fans or DC fans attack me. It is a, an ongoing ribbing I have with Into the Night and Moon Knight podcast, and it's a uh, it, it's host Ray. Um, I made that joke on the first time I was on his podcast. I think that was also the last time I was ever on his podcast. <laughs> I think we all have. I think we all have. Uh, I didn't. I didn't. Okay. Yeah. Nope. No, that's probably no. why you've been back. Because I am so sick of that joke. Uh, so, <laughs> so, yeah, that I, I was probably the... polite about saying it. Yeah. Though. I, I still yeah. don't get it. I don't understand it, especially uh, when when you see the TV show. If you're not a Moon Knight fan, if you don't know much about the character of Moon Knight, you will have no idea why people compare it to Batman. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's completely <laughs> different. There's no connection. And in the comics, very, very small uh, connection. Uh, just he's a street a street level hero who beats up on bad guys. That's about it, really. Um, I guess it's true. And you could he say does. the same thing about uh, about. So does Jessica Jones? Yeah, exactly. So Jessica Jones is the Batman of Marvel. That's what we're going to. It is true. Uh, it but is true. We are not here to talk about Mar- <laughs> talk about Marvel or Moon Knight. We'll be talking about those next week. Please, please stay subscribed to get that, the discussions about those. We are here to talk about Star Trek Picard episode four. Uh, the teleplay for this episode was written by Juliana James and Jane Maggs. Uh, Juliana James is a staff writer on the show. She's worked on uh, the new TV show, uh, Superman and Lois as well, which is getting great praise. We watched the first three or four episodes of that and really enjoyed it. Yeah, really, yeah really good. no. Yeah, I uh, really it. enjoyed the, the first few. Uh, I know it's season two is uh, going gangbusters at the moment. It's one of those, I recently was speaking to someone about this, there's so much good TV at the moment. Mm-hmm. I know we'll go back into a lull um, towards the end of the year where I can really pick up and catch up on a few shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, they just stealth dropped uh, Upload Season 2 yes. on Prime Video as well. Show I absolutely love Season 1 of. Didn't know Season 2 was coming. <laughs> <laughs> there it was. So, another great show that we were like, oh, we gotta jump back onto this one. Yeah. Uh, but we're not here to talk about Upload. We're here to talk about Picard. Sorry. we'll let you get back to that after the podcast Chris Uh, Jane Maggs the other teleplay writer for the episode worked on loads of shows in the past including the new version of Anne with an E which I know my mom loved it's a a book she really enjoyed as a kid and uh, loved the new TV show she's also writing uh, episodes of the upcoming TV show The Man Who Fell to Earth a fantastic movie from the 70s Um, really looking forward to the TV show uh, starring Tweetle Ejiofor and Naomi Harris which are two fantastic actors really excited to see uh, what they bring to uh, to the man who felt definitely yeah Mm, Yeah. it'll be really interesting just clarification Mm -hmm. man who felt the earth the 70s one is the Bowie film Uh, it starred David Bowie yes Yes, it is okay okay. I have seen that that is a great film yeah, yes. be really interested to see what they do in a TV show. Um, that is Jade, and that is Juliana, uh, the teleplay writers. Uh, the story for the episode also written by Juliana James and written by Travis Fickett. Uh, Travis, Travis Fickett is an executive producer on Picard and previously worked on 12 Monkeys, Terra Nova, and Nikita as well. Very good. Yeah, good good uh, um, load of shows there. Yes. Yeah, it has some dystopia kind of credentials there with 12 Monkeys. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Terra Nova. And Terra Nova, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I like that to begin with. It was yeah, it was a it was a great show to begin with. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> we all just went yeah to begin with. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and this episode once again was directed by the wonderful Leah Thompson from Back to the Future fame and uh, last week's episodes fame. Um, John, do you want to tell us what the game is with your synopsis for Star Trek Picard season two, episode four, Watcher? Sure. Rios ends up on the wrong side of the law in 2024, Los Angeles, as he is detained by ICE. 
After being tasered and mocked, he is boarded onto a bus to be deported from the United States. Meanwhile, Seven of Nine and Rafi, who after dealing with 21st century bureaucracy and a stick shift of an ancient fossil fuel-based police car stolen from a downtown precinct, are in hot pursuit to liberate Rios from deportation. Back at the Confederation ship, Gerati and Picard figure out the clues held subconsciously in Gerati's mind after her connection to the Borg Queen. Realising there are only three days left to save the future of the Federation, and with time running out, Picard seeks out an old friend, a younger Guinan, to help find and contact the Watcher. While Guinan doesn't yet know Jean-Luc Picard, he manages to build trust with her, and is able to get a meeting with the Watcher, who unexpectedly turns out to be another old friend, the Romulan Laris. Meanwhile, back aboard the ship, the mind games begin between the Borg Queen and Dr. Gerati as she tries to fix the ship's systems. But when Seven of Nine and Raffi find themselves in imminent danger of arrest by the LAPD after stealing a police car, Gerati, desperate to get the transporters working to save them, must make a deal with the Borg Queen. Elsewhere, at an outdoor cafe in downtown LA, a mischievous Q realises his fingers no longer snap. Exactly. That's what I meant. Not that he could break them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Poor Q. That's, uh, that seems like a big realisation uh, there for him, that uh, he no longer can do the cool things he used to, which is being omnipotent and just messing with everybody around him. I like that he's uh, subtly trying to undermine the uh, the young woman in front of him who's reading an inspirational book. <laughs> he's kind of like going... You're useless, you're pointless, and then <laughs> no. trying to snap his fingers. But we will probably get into that as we get into our points for the episode. Uh, as we have discussed before, the way we discuss our episodes is looking at our small, medium and large points. Our small point is our general order, our medium point is our mega directive, and our main point is our prime directive for the episode. So let's kick off with our small point. Make it so, number one. Who wants to kick us off here? John, do you want to take that? It really is a small point because I was quite surprised that um, the bar 10 on Forward Avenue Mm -hmm. actually existed in 2024. I didn't realize that that was historical because we'd seen it 400 years later where it was this historical monument with that bar. um, And so, yeah, I just didn't think it was going to exist in 2024. And... Um, that Guinan was going to be in there, really. So that was kind of a neat little surprise for me. Yeah, it's a nice touch, isn't it? And, and I do like the reaction from uh, Jean-Luc as he sees it there, where he it's almost like he gets the joke this time that we all got in episode one when we uh, when we saw Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan. He looks at the street, looks at the name of the bar, and just kind of puts his hand to his head and goes, how funny is this? It's called Ten Forward. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I do like that they, that they played it out on, on the episode. It does make me wonder whether... Uh, the appearance of Whoopi Goldberg in the first episode was actually quite late into production. It was kind of added so that they could add Whoopi Goldberg into the show. We'd wondered whether we're going to see her back in the show, and now we see a new actress playing Guinan uh, in this episode. So it, it's we may get a bookend at the end of the season with Whoopi Goldberg, but very likely we're going to have this actress playing Guinan if we see her further in the show here. So I, it just feels like almost a repeated joke the way it plays out in the first episode now. Um, yeah. You, yeah, yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, no, I'd agree on that, and I, I think one of the, it, it's a shame though because of we we did see in episode one that she was able to 
uh, or it has, was explained that she is able to manipulate her uh, aging for yeah. those around her. So yes, there is a big difference though in her manipulation of her age than Q's manipulation of, of his age. He can make himself look whatever way he wants to make himself look, whereas Guinan has allowed herself to age alongside humans so that they don't oh. don't feel that she stands out there so um so she's aged herself over the 400 years between this moment with picard and the moment we meet her in in the, in the okay. future yeah she can't go backwards so okay unlike yeah. you yeah. who can just yeah do that it, not anymore you not anymore though. well yes now, that's my understanding of course I, yes. I correct me if i'm wrong but that's that's my understanding all right, Trekkies, you, you heard them. Because <laughs> <laughs> that kind of leads into my other point, my my uh, small point for for this episode as well. Uh, Guinan herself um, and the meeting of her and, and Jean-Luc. Um, this is probably the biggest question that people had uh, about, about the episode. This is a big meeting of these two characters, and it's not technically the first time they've ever met. So why doesn't she recognize Jean-Luc is, is the big question that everybody has. Um Guinan has been on the planet for about 100 years or 200 years, I think, at this stage and has been in L.A. and has been the owner of a bar. And Picard came back from the future with Data and met her in her younger self, in her younger days, back in the 1800s. So why doesn't she recognize Jean-Luc Picard? Um, and there is a very good reason for that, which I found out from the showrunner of the show, Terry, Terry Marcellus, uh, who uh, did an interview during the week, uh, answered this question effectively because the entirety of history has been rewritten from this point onwards, Picard has never gone back in time to meet Guinan. That makes loads of sense, doesn't it? Uh, yeah! That does make sense. Yes, yeah. but I can see why everybody was questioning it, because they're thinking, this is the Guinan that should know Picard. Why would she not know Picard? But this, she has never met Picard before, because there was no person that time-travelled from that future back into the past. And it's to the point that your past... because becomes your future if you travel back it's yeah. your there's still a singularity which is you yeah, exactly and so your future changes um as well yeah, yeah. and that's why she's le that's one of the potential reasons why past, she's leaving 10 forward and closing down 10 forward mm -hmm. because the picard of the future never traveled back to the past to meet her in the past to so she never knew there was going to be a picard <laughs> And a really good thing, so she never knew to stay on Earth. So, I have a headache. I, <laughs> I have a really sneaking suspicion that we've got this all topsy turvy. But anyway. oh no, I have a sneaking suspicion someone just <laughs> forgot that they had already met Guinan in the past, and then when it was called out at a later point, it nope. was like, "Oops." Oh. No, I absolutely know that that is the case. There's no way that they didn't know that there was a scene with Guinan in the past because it was an entire episode, a very well-known episode. They are fully aware of it. But the simple fact is the world changed from this point in 2024. There is no federation in this universe mm -hmm. that could have sent somebody back into the past to meet Guinan. I understand the explanation, but I didn't get it on first watch. That's why it's my point no, here. I because I, with that. I think all of us I, need to know that. that, that I that, get that. I mean, thing. just how I expressed it back. I okay. I was kind of saying future, past. <laughs> because I Timey, timey. I was like, okay, yeah. Well. It's Friday evening. Yes. <laughs> My mind uh, has gone to mush. But I do like how they incorporated into the episode itself, how they incorporated into the into the concept of this alien species that Guinan is part of, about the fact that if they if there is something repeated to them, from the timeline in the future that they effectively get a kind of time sickness. Yeah, that was um, quite cool. Actually. Which I, I just really like the idea of it where it's almost like 
a truth detector. So when Picard is saying to her, you know, this is uh, this is an inspirational thing you will say to me in the future, which will help me on my journey. I'm saying it back to you now. And it's almost like, well, if I get sick over this, then I know he's telling the truth. I know he's had this yeah. experience in the future. Um, even just him calling out his name um, to her saying who he is, which he holds back for most of the episode here. Most of the time they're spent, they spend together when he says his name. It sparks something in her that she knows exactly how to deal with this person, yeah. uh, which I, yeah. I just I, I loved how that was put in there. No, no, agreed. Um, I'll I'll jump onto my small point for this episode, which is they did land in Paris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chateau Picard is in France. Well, not Paris, sorry. <laughs> yeah. they, they landed in that smack bag. <laughs> there goes Paris. the Eiffel Tower. Paris no, looks no. slightly more foresty than yeah. I remember. They, they, in the Valley Loire, beside uh, <laughs> Jean-Zac in uh, uh, the Loire the, the Valley. No, uh, they, they did land in uh, France. It was a question we did ask in the previous uh, episode during recording. And uh, we do know that. Also, we got... Something that will definitely a hundred percent come back into play later, which was, well, the the Picards uh, back in World War Two used the tunnels under the house mm-hmm. and in the surrounding area to save uh, themselves and others during World War Two. Hmm. I wonder why they said that. I still am very much starting to think that there something gets left in the tunnels and. Two to four hundred years later, when a little Jean-Luc is in the house, all these flashbacks he's having of nightmares and scary things, Mm -hmm. maybe something crawls out of those tunnels Mm. and scares him later on. Yeah. Or maybe it is zombie Nazis and the Star Trek uh, universe is heading into the zombie world. Oh, maybe. Mm, Wasn't there there a zombie Nazis film where they were in the moon? Yes. Iron Iron Brigade, Iron no something, Iron yes. something. Iron Sky. Yes. There you go. Yeah, I yes. I'm gonna say I would say Chris is much closer to what I think I is gonna happen <laughs> in the storyline. Uh, it's not that wacky in the in, in Star Trek it at really all. Is. Um, no. I have to say that there was a lovely moment um, in in that scene when Picard and Gerati are walking through his house, where I love I love as he brushes the dust off one oh, of the yeah, tables yeah. and then his younger yes. self walks past. It's just I'm sure it's a really simple scene to film, but I love how he just connects in with that memory that he has. Yeah, uh, I thought it was a, a beautifully put together moment. Uh, and it really, you're absolutely right. It will come out uh, more of the stories being released as we as we go throughout the series. More of the connection to Picard and his past is being released that we would never have seen in the in uh, in other stories. So, uh, really liking how they're doing it. Yeah, no, agreed. It was just really good um, confirmation that they did land in France. Mm -hmm. And so we do get 100% confirmation of where the chateau is. Yeah, we we knew it was going to be confirmed in the episode, of course, but the yeah. the point was we just had the conversation last week, so nice to see it's yeah, confirmed. We, we yeah. definitely knew it was in France. Yeah, John, John did, yes. Yes, yes 100%. <laughs> uh, one other uh, thing to point out there, uh, I think there's another little uh, Easter egg in here um, when Picard says that... Um, the house will be left alone uh, and won't have a Picard residing here. He, uh, the actual phrase he says is for generations, which is a movie called Star Trek Generations, where he appeared alongside William Shatner's Captain Kirk. And we do get flashbacks to his family on their lot in 
Chateau Picard, I believe. Um, I may be corrected about that, but I do like that he says that there will be nobody living here for generations. Uh, and it's uh, possibly a connection to Star Trek Generations. There you go. Could make that, that <laughs> does make sense. Little Easter egg. Yeah, which I like. that makes just, sense. Just the wording. I like. I like when uh, I like when writers come up with some interesting wording. Uh, <laughs> let's get on to our medium point of everybody's done with the small points. Yes. Implement the Omega Directive immediately. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll kick off. Um, okay. We've briefly touched upon it. it it's the. Q has lost his snap, and um, you know his ability to just simply snap his fingers um, and change whether it's himself mm. or change the reality of others um, seems to have been uh, lost uh, in, in this scene kind of right at the end where we see him just, you know, very Machiavellian, like very mischievous um, trying to upset uh, a poor lady who's yep. reading uh, at the cafe and he is snaps his fingers to sort of enact all his thoughts of what he wants to do where she is effectively loses her self-confidence and nothing happens mm-hmm. she um is still sort of enthralled with what she's doing nothing has changed and he kind of looks at himself uh, looks yeah. down at his fingers mm-hmm. and of course just linking back to uh, picard uh saying you're unwell which was from episode two mm-hmm. and it's really interesting because i know when Picard said that. I have to say, I'm totally honest, I didn't know where he was getting his, dare I say it, cues from. Uh, from, <laughs> from, well uh, from Q, because, like, he, you know, he, he snapped his fingers, he was able to change, he had obviously moved them into this reality. Absolutely. So, fairly the Q of old, really. Mm-hmm. And so. I guess it must have just been a sense, a feeling, and you know, I, I guess he was being very overly philosophical. Was Q, and maybe that yeah. is the 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 hint. And I, I guess that would be the only thing I would think of. But even so, Q likes to hear his own voice. He <laughs> likes to talk hmm. and ramble and commands that that stage. He he wants to sort of almost suppress Jean Luc Picard with words because. Yeah. Jean-Luc in and of himself is massively thoughtful uh, and you know he's very well read um, and yeah. books are important to him so I've always seen that as him just almost trying to blunt Picard uh, as in terms of his reposts uh, and what he can do mm-hmm. um, but this has this is a different cue like we, we said that when when he appeared in, in episode two and the way that he spoke to Picard what he was saying to Picard about the challenge that was being set in front of him isn't a test anymore. This is punishment for what he's done Agreed. and what's, what's happened in the past, not what he's done. That hasn't been clarified yet, but he is different, definitely. Agreed. No. Well, I agree with you. The test is not a test. It's a different set of situations and circumstances that he's moved them into. Um, but... Q of himself, him being unwell mm. or you're not well, doesn't uh, you know whether it's that that loss of power that we see here is the thing that uh, means that it is not a test and it's something different, mm. despite him being able to move them there. Again, that's very sort of hidden within that scene in episode two for me, at least. 
I can't say I necessarily picked up on any nuances. And um, so I actually quite liked here that we saw a physical um, manifestation of whatever is happening to Q. Um, whether he's, you know, he's he's losing the the mojo. Uh, I thought it was just a, a, a nice way of showing that he is losing his power, maybe, you know, so possibly that. Because, I mean, he is an omnipotent being, so whether they can become unwell or whether it's the other cues of of the cue that have... There's a lot of cues here yeah. um, that have... Um, that have stripped him of something mm. because of what he's done. So yeah, I, I kind of see there's there's kind of three possibilities here. Either he's run out of power, um, uh, which is possible, um, even though he's an omnipotent, omnipotent being. Maybe he's gotten to the version of old age where you're two trillion years old, and that's the that's the furthest point you can reach. Yeah, like a dying star or something. S- something like that, potentially, yeah. Or he's got a sickness, some kind of illness that's that's caused this to happen, which may not be connected to his age. You may have some kind of illness that he needs curing. Or potentially it's punishment from the Q Continuum for something yeah. that he's been doing because he's been messing so much in the galaxy. Um, they all have similar traits, though. They all like to mess around a bit, but he seems to be the most transfixed on humanity and and Picard particularly so potentially they may be stripping him of his powers um all of them I think is why he's focused on Picard to fix whatever's causing it so that he can return to his former yes. glory let's say um that that's kind of what my my feelings so far on the story is okay yeah it's yeah. It, it's within this timeline he is different mm-hmm. because of the change that happened here so the penance and hence why it's the penance for the both of them, um, in that he needs his penance correcting as well, but it's through Picard. Yeah, like like as if he scraped up as much energy as he possibly yeah. could to send Picard over here to go fix this thing that he has. Yeah, fix this problem for me. Anyway, as I say, it was just it was good to get that physical manifestation. Mm-hmm. I really liked how it was done with the cafe, just uh, yeah. the poor the poor innocent. Uh, lady there having her coffee and uh, about to have her world crashed um by mm-hmm. by Q and I, I it was just the the great little sort of surprise moment that is his his finger clicking and didn't taste so good for him <laughs> yeah no so for me this was uh, a, a good plot point because essentially I had almost retroactively forgotten this whole thread and had just assumed because we had got no further clarification on it. It was like, Oh, maybe he was just calling Q sick in the head, like more, more mental versus, uh, let's say, uh, clickable, um, or snappable, I should say. But yeah, no, overall, uh, this was, it was a fun little bit. I'm mm-hmm. wondering though, was this something to do with the, um, he was wearing a rocket insignia. She was wearing some form of rocket as well. Okay. So I'm wondering if it's going to be, cause he's then reading something about space travel on the newspaper. So I am wondering, is an element of this going to be almost like the Cochrane esque uh, piece of first contact where because something happens in three days to space travel or to something around space travel? 
they no longer, or that was what was going to happen because that woman left because Q originally kind of snapped his finger and made her depressed. She left. She didn't do something and then that led to the good timeline. But because his power didn't work, she did do something. Okay. And it led to the bad time, the Confederation. Okay, that's a um, lot, a lot of ifs and possibilities. I'm not sure uh, how how that works together. But yes, there's definitely a space mission going on in 2024. It's been advertised in the background. Last episode, definitely, um, some big mission is going on around this time. And yeah, with Q, the the outfit that Q's wearing, I presume he's trying to fit in at the institute that's in uh, that's in LA so um yeah so there's definitely something there that he was trying yeah. to do yeah but is this the cue that came back in time to set up the future or is this the cue that's followed along with picard pa- um, yeah. so Who knows? we don't know we don't Are know, we'll know. it was it was the cliffhanger from the end of the episode so we're not supposed to know what he was doing until next week i'm sure <laughs> uh, chris what about yourself what's your medium moment from the episode um, since we've been talking about time and wine and realities and futures and thing, I'm just going to say I sucks in all times and TV realities. <laughs> um, wow, they really portray this governmental agency as just a, a, a group of um, not nice people, because sometimes this is a PG podcast. We will just call it that because, oof, all levels of racism just on show blatantly. Uh, on all aspects of this mm-hmm. uh, piece where Rios even goes as far to uh, basically stand up to a man who's getting abused and potentially sent away uh, back to uh, across the border with no rhyme or reason because he won't he'll stand up and he's eyeing giving the guy an eye according to this uh, this uh, not nice person in a uniform and Rios gets like full on tasered, yeah. like for I, enough of a point that I'm like he's gonna pee himself. Like we know <laughs> that that happens in reality sometimes if they get that much tasering. Yeah. Now, in fairness, I know you're saying Rios stood up for the the person that was about to be deported by ICE. Rios says in English to the guy, it's not like he's hiding it behind his behind in in Spanish or something like that. He says to the guy in English, give a guy a badge and look what he does. Look how racist he becomes, basically, to this guy's face who has a taser. So oh, yeah. I, I understand standing up. I get it. But he is currently arrested and currently suspected of being an, an illegal immigrant in a cage. He doesn't just stand up for the guy and try and block him and say, get away from him. He accuses the guy of being a racist and accuses the guy of being a big man with a big badge, effectively. So... I kind of get why he would have pissed him off, I guess. Oh, yeah, he pissed him <laughs> off. The, 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 the punishment didn't fit the crime, it's per se that I, way. Remember, they, Rios is the big fish out of water here. He's dealing with uh, the entire society. He, in fact, looks at the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, which is something that the entire American population says, and, and in disbelief says they make you pledge to the flag in this country. Understandably, this guy's going to get deported, I think. <laughs> oh yes, but it was just I look I, for me. It's um, we've seen a lot of incarnations of ice mm-hmm. um, in the last two years, in particular, maybe probably four ish since they became a um, more prevalent story topic in reality. Yeah, absolutely. so therefore they became a story prevalent or a topic within writers' rooms uh, as a lot, even for years. No matter what anyone says, sometimes 
uh, Star Trek has always been about been about equality, equity, um, and talking about politics yeah. and race and religion and everything in between. It has always been that back into the like the original Star Trek, the original mm-hmm. series. So if this was going to happen, I'm hoping they maybe do a bit more on it, but I'm feeling now uh, maybe not. But it was just good to see. Yeah, I'll I'll leave it with in all. TV timelines and realities. Uh, Rios gets shocked by uh, ice being sucky. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I think kind of slightly connected to that is, which I think is really called out in this is, I know moving back to Guinan here, but how, you know, as an Alorian and the conversations she's having with Picard, she, you know, she talks about how she despairs of humanity mm-hmm. and yeah. they, you know, that this species has one planet and are destroying it. And, and people who can help, uh, but won't sort of in reference to, um, Rafi and seven of nine being in the homeless, uh, sort of commune and oh, camp God, yeah. and that this species prefers war to peace. So, you know, she's kind of at the end of her tether with this, uh, in the conversations, uh, with Picard. And so I thought that kind of comes to that point of, you know, Star Trek has always, um, provided, you know, some people will say it's an ideal, others that, you know, humanity can move towards something that isn't these extremes and these contradictions. And so I thought that was really, um, really good. And I think Rios here in this moment is in his own way, uh, even to the point where he actually mocks the guard uh, by laying out the truth to him that he is a captain of a starship. He's seeking out brave new worlds. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that, you know, and of course, because of just the, the blinkered view of everything that the, you know, yes, it's unbelievable, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But it thematically, it also makes the point that you're so introverted and blinkered in in your view that all people like um in these cages are bad, and that they aren't allowed to have um an opportunity to whether it's escape famine or war or whatever it might be that, you know, you just completely discount them. So by him saying that, he knows he'll be discounted, not only because it maybe seems fanciful to <laughs> um, the guards, even yeah. though we do see about the space element uh, on Q's paper, but also because for him, he is also an illegal immigrant that really ends up having no rights. And that's his blinkered view mm-hmm. of um, the world, effectively. So I, I, I thought this was, I thought it was really, really good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Really love, uh, love how they uh, deal with Rios in this situation. It's, uh, it, it's, it's just great to have it because you know exactly as you said, Chris. You know, this is written at a time before Biden became the American president. Um, understandably, so much going on in American society at that time. So many, so so much going on. So much still going on now. It's not like it's it's all changed just because Biden is now president. That's absolutely not. There's still so many tensions going on in that country. And this is reflective of that through the lens of Star Trek, a show that is saying that in the future, people from Earth will be Earthlings dealing with aliens from other other places. 
the the world borders will have to change in in some sense to be able to accomplish a place where everybody is equal on the planet earth that's kind of where they've always had to aim to go to so having someone like Guinan who is a really open character who's always been somebody that has been really understanding to have her stand there and go I can't do this anymore I'm watching a planet that's burning up there are a multitude of people here who have enough resources to solve this but their biggest fear is having less than they have now um I love that line from her I thought that was really insightful um yeah into part of the problem that we have with a global capitalist system which is not the same thing that Starfleet embodies in Star Trek or the Federation embody in, in Star Trek. So um, in order to achieve their history, I suppose, things have to change on the planet. So I like that this show is exploring the things that may have to change. Yeah. Yeah. No, I de- de- definitely agree on that. The other thing from this with Rios in the detention center, there was a slight hint that I got from the God about the deportation. So I, initially I was thinking it was deportation going back uh, across the border mm-hmm. but there was a slight hint that it wasn't this isn't just moving you back to the country of origin that this was uh, a deportation and you'll get lost in transit and something um, bad is going to happen that's more we don't know where you'll end up and maybe yeah maybe you don't end up where you think you're going to end up and you yeah, end up it, in it was a little ominous um, yeah no, uh, i agreed me. there too um because there has been story well i say there has been there were stories a lot like this of many people in America who were arrested. Again, I'm saying stories uh, would have been written of uh, potentially uh, people being uh, deported and not ending up in their destination. And no one knows where they're going or what what happened to them. Um, so again, it's kind of this using um, using the, the, the stories that would have been around at that day and when they were still writing. Mm. Um, to kind of feed into some of this. But also, <laughs> there is a connection here to a, a Deep Space Nine episode as well. Um, okay. We uh, thank, Thanks to uh, one of our wonderful fellow uh, Trekkies and Trekkers who pointed us back to an episode of, uh, of Star Trek. Uh, Jamie Lawton uh, pointed us back to an episode of DS9, which had um, Captain Sisko and um, some of the other crew of DS9 went back yes. to 2024. Um the same year that this has taken place. And in that episode, there was a lot of downtrodden people, people who were unemployed, people who were homeless, people who were uh, immigrants, uh, people who were mentally ill, uh, people who were sick, who were all being pushed into sanctuary districts, as they were called. And the reference here that we get for Rios is that he's not going back to his country of origin, that he's going to a sanctuary district on the border for his country of origin. So a direct connection to the ds9 episode that there is these sanctuary districts that are being set up all across the u.s effectively so i like that connection it's very it's a very small yeah. connection only in, in one line of dialogue but um but it is a connection the uh cisco is stuck in a sanctuary district in that episode of of ds9 has to work his way out and work out how to get out of there and the frustration of it is that once you're there once you've fallen between the cracks of these rules and laws that are set up to push away the undesirables, let's say, from from uh, in this situation, it's impossible to get back out of it, which is what Rios is experiencing here as well. Interesting. So that's like very it. cool. That's a cool callback. I think that's all on ice and Rios. So then, uh, 
Derek, do you want to move on to your point? Absolutely. I just want to talk about the fun uh, part of the episode. Um, <laughs> Rafi and Seven uh, driving the streets of L.A. Um, in a stolen police car uh, after attacking the LAPD. <laughs> um, I, I really like this. I love getting the two of them together uh, for much more scenes. Wow, these two work so well together. We didn't get enough of them together in season one. We've been bemoaning the fact that they're broken up so we don't get scenes with them. So having the two of them as buddy cops almost uh, in this episode or, or buddy criminals, I guess, since they robbed the police car um, was really, really good. I love Rafi going into the LAPD, demanding to get back Rios. You know, you are the protectors of the peace. You are the protectors of the people. You're here to work for us. Where is yeah. where is Rios? And it, there's very much a computer says no moment from uh, from the guard on duty uh, on the desk, kind of going, look, if he's not in the system, nothing I can do for you. Um, and I love that Seven is the one that calms her down. Seven's kind of going, we're going to take our business and, and move away from the desk here before we get arrested effectively. <laughs> so at least Seven's following the rules that uh, that were laid down for uh, the crew of La Serena arriving into LA. You for know, now. <laughs> for now. But, but continually we see that yeah. Rafi is not following any of these rules that were laid out. Rafi is the one that's attacking effectively a police officer, so could have been arrested. She's carrying a phaser, which she uses to break in to the car, and she's also carrying a piece of equipment to connect herself to that to the computer of the car that couldn't possibly exist in this time. So she, if she had been caught, she absolutely would have been given the game away. Would has gone against everything that she was told to do. Um, but yeah. and it's downhill from there as well. It does go. It does go <laughs> incredibly worse. Absolutely, uh, as they steal the car. Love the little touches of uh, of the uh, the police police uh, radio being on. They literally pull out, um, crash into the barrier going out, take a left onto a one way street. And already by that stage, you hear it going over the radio. Police car has been stolen from the police station. Yeah. So uh, they're onto them very, very quickly. And um, the roles kind of reverse a bit. Like Seven of Nine is just driving with pure frustration. I, I love <laughs> the the centrifuge look um, as she's really spinning this car around, uh, making quick changes in direction. I love that she's getting frustrated uh, with just... The car, she says, this is an antique. Yep. And it ultimately becomes uh, Raffi uh, that is trying to calm um, Seven down so that, you know, they, they don't bring attention to themselves. Mm. And it, it's far too late. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Great fun. Uh, yeah. Great fun moment in the episode. Lots of, lots of laughs out of this. Um, but they do eventually get the mechanism to save Rios, hopefully, because they're, uh, they've are they been working with Gerati aboard the ship, who's uh, trying to restore the transporter abilities um, so that they can either transport to uh, the bus where Rios is on board or transport Rios away, effectively, from, uh, from the bus. So I kind of like that that's their objective. Um, and I also love that, uh, that there is that moment of, uh, of Rafi realising they have to drive for a whole hour to get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to get exactly. there. And she's like, we'll just do it the old fashioned way. What do you mean it's an hour? We don't have an hour. <laughs> yeah, really good fun. I, I loved actually with Jurati where she says, you've got to stop the car as they're being chased. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really good um, because the transporters aren't quite up to where they need to be to, to transport from a moving target. Mm-hmm. So I, I really like that moment. And again, another big moment because the police officer at least the lead police officer coming up to the car as they've surrounded uh, the stolen car um sees them disappear yes, yes. Yeah, who will forever be 
What? You mean when you <laughs> chase some go- joyriding yeah. ghosts? Yeah, exactly, exactly. We do have to talk about the transporters being turned back on. So should we move on to our main points for this episode? Yeah, absolutely. We must face the ramifications of the Prime Directive. Yeah, John, do you want to kick us off with your big point for the episode? Yes, um, it's it's the cabin fever with the, the two... Um, that are struck aboard the Confederation ship uh, in the form of Jurati and Borgwina. I just, I just thought it was a great situational uh, element to this mm-hmm. um, because you've got everything going on with Rafi and Seven of Nine needing to um, be be rescued from the pursuing cops, but at the same time, Jurati doesn't have the ability to get the transporter working in time, and so has to. Um, make this 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 deal with the Borg Queen to give her access back into the ship to to fix them at rapid speed so that she can rescue her her crew uh, from the the you know the the closing net that mm-hmm. is the LAPD and I think it was just really good because all building up to that is this real nice kind of feeling of cabin fever yeah. Uh, between the two because they've been connected they've there's been a partial assimilation the Borg queen knows about jurati jurati knows about the Borg queen to some extent and it, it it almost felt like you know the the meeting of equals especially with the Borg queen at the end of the last episode saying um, you've done something worse. You've impressed the Borg Queen effectively. You've impressed me. Mm-hmm. And so th- this was just really good how she's trying to manipulate Jurati. She's preying on her insecurities, oh, yeah. isolation, uh, c- you know, contrasted with the, the security of the collective. It- it's the, the, um, what Jurati actually did about that she could almost be a Borg queen. And I guess it was to the the theory that was raised on the podcast mm-hmm. um, last last week, this idea of the Borg queen from episode one. Who is that? Um, is that potentially Jurati behind more that, more like um, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. that funky sort of industri- industrial pop type um uh, Matt's head to toe suit. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, this this really just played so well uh, into uh, all all the, the the different parts of the relationship between these two because they've been connected. Uh, I mean, to the point where really Jurati kind of you know, has to just turn her back and storms off into another part of the ship. Hmm. Yes, but she does promise that if uh, the Borg Queen helps her with fixing the transporters, that she will uh, allow herself to be conversed with, right? Yes. That she, yes. Will, she will give her conversation. You're right, the scene is just so well so well played. Annie Wershing, who plays the Borg Queen here, does such a great job. A very, again, a much more conversational Borg Queen, probably because she's um, she's connected Hanging with around. Jurati. So she <laughs> has kind of got a bit of Jurati's personality within her. So she's a bit more conversational, but I love the kind of pushing that she does, you know, when, yeah. when Jurati comes up to her and says, please 
help my crew, help my friends. And he's, she's saying, don't politely demure yourself in front of yeah, me. Exactly. I know yeah. who you are. I know what you've done. It's, it's effectively, you made me do this and then took away my hope. So that makes you much worse than a Borg queen. And Gerati does it again. Gerati gets her to fix the transporters and then walks away from her. Doesn't sit down and converse with her. The promise that she made of this. She may do that in a future episode, but it feels like Gerardi's kind of tried the same trick twice on the board queen. Said, you do this for me and then I'll, uh, and then I'll sit here and we'll have, we'll have the bants. We'll sit here over a cup of tea and we'll have some chats all about the world and you won't be lonely anymore. And then she just walks away from her. Yeah, so, yeah. um, so I'm wondering how their relationship will develop, uh, over the course of the next couple of episodes. Cause I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't be playing the same trick on a board queen twice myself. No, no, I wouldn't either because there's there's a high chance that you're literally doing deals with the devil. Yeah, like it's it's going to be. Yeah, it's not going to end well. Stop sticking your hand in the mouth of a wolf. I think is is probably uh, probably the thing I'd say. Well, exactly. It's even just. I mean, I, I get it. Picard had to go on his own mm-hmm. and leave someone back with the board queen, but just because of the nature of. The situation from the previous episode, and especially given Picard was so against her connecting to the Borg Queen, mm-hmm. um, it, it felt like he kind of left quite quickly. But they were on a, a countdown with this three days left yeah. um, to uh, the the crunch time where you have this divergence in the timeline. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting to think, though, as well, that we are four episodes into a 10-episode season, and they're already kind of starting to move a lot of the chessboard pieces into places already, and we're calling some of them already. So some of these, I'm hoping, then, are just a kind of red herring, that like we're, 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 we think they're fainting left, and they're going to faint right. Yeah. So. But I don't think so with Gerati. I think this Gerati Borg Queen thing is going to they're, 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 the puzzle pieces are kind of kind of getting too too lined up. Yeah. Um, they are, they well also as, don't have to hide their story all the time as well. They do, yeah. they do have to give us the steps as to how they get there. And you know, Gerati has been this character we followed all the way through from the start. They really will have to explain why she becomes a Borg Queen if that's what happens to her. So, yeah. um, so I'm, if that's the case, I'm glad they're laying it out the way they are because I, I like the idea of the kind of constant niggling from, uh, from the Borg Queen with Jurati. I kind of like that that might turn her and twist her and, um, and assimilate her potentially in, in some way, in a different way. Yes. Well, she said there's many words for what we call mm-hmm. assimilation, cooperation and connection. Yes. No, definitely, definitely a really good one. If that's okay, I'll move on to my point for mm-hmm. this episode. Yeah. Um, let's go see the Watcher. <laughs> let's get led around by multiple random people. Love that. Um, this was very cool. Yeah. I actually paused it when I was doing my rewatch on Prime Video. Mm-hmm. And we obviously have the x-ray feature and it just said, it actually started naming some of the cast as like, little girl, tall man. Excellent. And everything, and uh, I think it was hot dog salesman. I'm like, cool, cool. Like- they, they, that, that is a good thing for the IMDb pages. Yeah. Because, um, this was fun. I, for a second, did think that the child was the watcher and I was like, Oh, they're going to give us creepy kid who's actually like 
uh, like a essentially a Q who is millions of years old mm. and just takes no shit, but is in a twelve year old's body. I'm like, cool. This is gonna. Nope, that's not. Oh, you're gonna do the creepy tall guy. Okay, let's go down. <laughs> nope. Okay, and then bam, you get a a Romulan, which I'm like interesting. I don't think it's a Romulan. I don't think it's who we think it is. I think it is one of those, um, essentially, it's like we take the form of someone you're expecting or you love or one of your regrets or something, this telepathic kind of massage. Because do Romulans live for over 400 plus years? We've had inclinations from the past in other shows that the Romulans can get old. I think, like, mm-hmm. quick Google says up to 250. So, at this already, she's, like, at a minimum four or 500 years old, mm. uh, if we said at the beginning of season two. So, it's not... It can, I don't think it can be her. But yeah. it is cool to see, because straight away, you're left on that kind of cliff edge of, oh, what happened? And they, they disappear into a smoky box. Mm-hmm. Um which looks like some form of, like, it doesn't look like a transporter, but it's maybe a cloaked vessel. Who knows? Mm. A dimensional door. Yeah. It's just one of those, what is a watcher? And what is it watching for? Uh, because what we hear from Guinan is essentially the watcher's watch. Which is, my God, too many watch, watch, watches <laughs> the watchman. Guinan does say they are essentially watchers for... Uh, very particular and special people throughout time and space. Yes, she says the Watchers are assigned a role of watching, but it's very unclear about who it is that assigns that role, which is what Picard is asking. So hang on a second. I know there's Watchers, but who are sending the Watchers here? Yeah, it's a really intriguing one. I'm sure there are lots of Star Trek fans who have some good theories about who this is and I, I definitely need more time with the with maybe memory alpha or uh, or my star trek box set to uh, to guess at who this being is or what this being is um and why they're taking the form of laris but i might as well just wait till next week and see uh and see <laughs> who it is on the show but also remember we do have an omnipotent being in the form of q mm-hmm. so there is the potential for this type of um species existing yeah. Uh, yeah. as well. So yeah. it, it could be new or it could be something, yeah, that we're just not quite recalling. As a, what was it? The Traveller, I mm. think, was the name of the, the being that took Wesley Crusher in Star Trek The Next Generation. So, yeah. you know, maybe Traveler, kind of a yeah. variation on, on that. Traveller, another omnipotent being. Yeah. Wouldn't it be really interesting if they got uh, Will Wheaton back to play Wesley Crusher after all of these years on Picard? That would be great. <laughs> That's <laughs> a, great, a great way to work him in. Uh, how did the whole Traveller situation uh, work out for Will? I'd love to know. Excellent. That's, uh, that, that'll be interesting to find out next week. And it was a real shocker. I, I think we were all guessing that Guinan was the Watcher. You know, yes. That was the whole story yeah, was yeah. going to be Guinan's Watcher. So that was partly it. Guinan led Picard to the Watcher. She's not the Watcher herself. Um, but who is the Watcher? And we'll we'll probably find that out next week. But yeah. maybe that's part of what they're doing on the show, Chris. Maybe we're guessing portions of what they want us to get to so that they can take the leap onto the next thing. Yeah. So uh, maybe that's, that's uh, a good way of writing the show, really, isn't it? 
It is. Once you kind of get into timey-wimey stuff, mm. it does get easier to kind of <laughs> change yeah. things and kind of go, well, you thought this was going to be. So we're going to help you along because you're not going to catch everything. Well, absolutely. And it's really complicated uh, otherwise. So uh, so glad that they're helping me along, definitely. <laughs> but that, that, um, that was my major point for this episode. What about yourself, Derek? What's your major point? Excellent. I don't have a major point because uh, we've gone through all of them. What I have is some notes uh, from the episodes. Some Perfect. things that I picked up. I already mentioned the uh, the Generations connection, but there are a couple of more uh, clearer connections to uh, the Star Trek universe that are detailed in this episode. Or called out the episode, let's say. Uh, first one, a uh, conversation between Jurati and uh, Picard when Picard solves the mystery of the 15s and... Uh, Gerati calls him Dixon Hill. Dixon Hill was the private eye character that Jean-Luc Picard used to play on the holodeck back in Star, <laughs> in Star Trek The Next Generation. So uh, still a Excellent famous PI, yeah. I guess, uh, in, in uh, literature in yep. Gerati's time, which I like. I thought that was a nice little call out. Uh, a fantastic call out for uh, Star Trek for The Voyage Home. There is a very, very well-known scene with Spock and uh, Kirk on the bus uh, trying to think about their plan of removing the whales from Earth or saving the whales from Earth back in uh, in Star Trek for the Voyage Home. And they get interrupted by a punk who's playing a song called I Hate You on his radio and singing along really loudly to it. Spock stands up and gives him the uh, the Vulcan neck pinch and knocks him out uh, to the applause of everybody on the bus. This time <laughs> we have Rafi and Seven on a bus with a punk playing a song called I Still Hate You. <laughs> and the opening line of it is for the last 35 years nothing's changed which I love because it's 35 years roughly since uh, Star Trek 4 came out <laughs> this time Seven says can you turn that off and the guy goes yeah no problem at all I just really like that song in a real disappointed voice so <laughs> I love the touch yeah. thought a great joke I'm sure everybody caught the joke uh, that was in there everybody who's seen uh, The Voyage Home caught the joke but I love those little extra touches that push it over the top for an easter egg yeah no, I did not catch that. So, very <laughs> you thank you for calling that out. There you go. It's been a while since I've watched The Voyage Home. <laughs> and last one for me, because we always do a whiskey watch. Um, we had Picard drinking whiskey in this episode, drinking Swafford whiskey. We always used to do whiskey watch in Jessica Jones yes. uh, to find out what um, what whiskeys the characters are drinking. And unfortunately, this falls into that bracket that the Jessica Jones show fell into at the end of it, where it's not a real whiskey. You can't go out and buy the whiskey that Picard was enjoying. It is a fake production whiskey um, that Terry Matalas, one of the uh, executive producers for the show, brings onto his shows with him. So uh, you'll see it in some of his other shows like MacGyver. Uh, this is the whiskey that uh, that he uses as a set dressing in the background. So there you go. Do you think it really ha has real whiskey in it? And he's just like carrying it with him. <laughs> just like, this is my whiskey. I'm taking you here. <laughs> potentially, Maybe. potentially. That, that's it. Excellent. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, any other one uh, that that we uh, didn't catch from the episode? Um, everybody like the Gerati uh, joke about childhood. Um, John Luke Picard calling for his milk chocolate hot. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good, good fun, good fun. Uh, that's it. That's it for my notes for the episode. Uh, overall, what did you think of Star Trek Picard episode two hundred four? Watcher John, kick us off. What's your thoughts, sir? Um, yeah, really liked it. I'd give it three and a half uh, early morning shots of liquor out of five. I thought I thought, really enjoyed this episode. Lots of big stuff going in it. Um, I, I guess I, I just felt it was really short in a sense. Okay. But that, that's all. It didn't take away from the enjoyment. Mm. I certainly think this is um, a really good episode. Uh, I'd give it three and a half 
Early morning shots of liquor out of five. Very good. Half a point off for no Elnor, I think, is what, what I'm sensing from Possibly. you. Possibly. <laughs> it would have been a four if there was at least a little bit of Elnor in here. I, I, yeah, I, I think so. But I mean, you know, it really did chug it along. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, really enjoyed it. We probably wouldn't have been able to have Elnor in this episode, unfortunately. What about yourself, Chris? What did you think overall of the episode? Overall, pretty, pretty happy. Uh, it, it, it very much like John, it's just chugging away in the background. Of kind of, it, it felt short, but it, it was the standard length. It's just, um, yeah, we're four episodes in, and I feel they're kind of dropping all the major bits. So I'm like, I'm hoping they. It is a lot of some of it is just true red herring, um, or we get a, a, a two part, almost like a two part story uh, for the seasons where. Like by episode six, we have closed all these major storylines and the Confederate, and we're moving into something completely different. Um, if for the the back half, that is potential. Um, but yeah, let's wait and see. Um, like I, I am reserving all my judgment until the next episode and the next episode and the episode after that until we finish the season. <laughs> Excellent. I'm, I'm meeting you kind of halfway, Chris. I, I think they, they will end the story in 2024 sooner than the end of the season it won't end the season in 2024 yeah. um but i think there's going to be lots more complications to jump back into for the other half of the season uh like Girati being at uh, the board queen uh, in oh, the future yes. that was that existed before q did anything to the timeline so uh so potentially we'll still see that uh, and they'll still have to resolve that uh within this season that'll be that'll be quite interesting uh, overall i really enjoyed this episode i like the balance that we had in this episode lots of exposition lots of uh lots of really interesting challenging concepts like why would Guinan be leaving earth that was a really uh, yeah. really good concept yeah, to put definitely. in there what was happening with rios with with ice and um how they're treating immigration in in the show and what's happening with immigration in 2024 pushing people into these sanctuary districts a nice name for a horrible place you know uh, i loved all of those deep concepts deep star trek concepts and then lots of fun on top of it with Rafi and, and Seven uh, driving around LA and, and stealing cop cars. You know, great, great fun elements to the show. So I think they got the balance really right for me. I think the reason why I felt like a short episode for me, if it if it did, is because I wanted more of this. I think the yeah. balance was so good here that I was really enjoying it. And to end it on two big cliffhangers. Hang on a second. Laris is there. We saw last we saw Laris was in the future being left behind and, and shot up a card. Now she's here as the Watcher. Who's that? What what could it mean? And here we have Q, no powers available to him. All of a sudden, the omnipotent being is no longer omnipotent, and he's the one that brought everybody here, so his power is gone. What does that mean? Two massive cliffhangers to yeah. solve next episode. So perhaps that's the reason why it might have felt a bit short, because it was all go for them for most yeah. of the episodes. So. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's my thoughts uh, as we close out the episode. One more thing to do before we get into some feedback and our fellow Trekkie and Trekkers thoughts about episode three of Star Trek Picard. We need to go to 10 forward. We certainly do, but not any old 10 forward. This is going back in time to 10 forward in 2024 mm -hmm. for that slug of early morning liquor that Excellent. I mentioned just before. <laughs> so, fellow quizzers and fellow Trekkies, here is the pub quiz question for episode four. Mm -hmm. What three items connected by the number 15 provide Picard and Jurassic with their clue to when the divergence will happen? Ooh, very good. I like this. Uh, yes. So what question. are the items? Mm -hmm. Yes. Called out very specifically by Jean-Luc <laughs> Jean Picard. Yes, he does. He does give a list. 
Or should we call him Dixon Hill? Uh, well, Dixon Hill. <laughs> yes. John, do you want to give the question one more time? Definitely. What three items connected by the number 15 provide Picard and Jurassi with their clue to when the divergence will happen? Excellent. Remember to send your answers to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com to be in the mix for uh, a load of Picard goodies Mm -hmm. and maybe some baddies if there's a (laughs) Borg Queen thing there as well. You never know. You never know. Uh, Yes, uh, put together all your answers. Email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com at the end of the season. Uh, Each of the questions are available on our website at tvpodcastindustries.com or, of course, in each of our episodes that come out each week about Star Trek Picard. Let's pop on over to some feedback on the last episode, on episode three. We had some Facebook feedback to kick us off. Uh, Dr. Bob Phillips says in episode three, it's always tricky to guess the Z coordinates when the landscape is hilly. Tough luck, Rios. Though I have to admit, you landed well when it came to finding very attractive doctors. Girati is killing it with her emotional jellyfish half-life, and it's wonderful to see that security <laughs> folks will still be romantics at heart in a couple of years' time. <laughs> ah, very good Dr. Bob Absolutely. and if anyone is secondary at finding very attractive doctors we hope you are too being a doctor <laughs> yes there must be loads of attractive doctors there is well we are speaking to one now well, John is a doctor Dr. John <laughs> yeah. well thank you yes not yes. the medical variety no. alas yeah but that's yeah. okay. Still a doctor. That's okay. It's still a doctorate, <laughs> kind of. Yes. You're the faux doctor. There you go. Yeah. Well, that is true. No, no, not faux. Real. <laughs> Stop it now. Uh, and it, yeah, interesting. I would never have uh, put security folks as romantics at heart, for sure. <laughs> and I have to say, Bob, that is the best description of the Borg Queen as well. An emotional jellyfish half <laughs> <laughs> love it love it thanks dr bob yes thanks dr bob we also got some feedback from jamie lawton who had this to say i think picard did take the ship to his home in france also when the away team goes to la it's daytime as in different time zone yeah i also reckon the watcher is guinan who we know has lived in california since at least the 1890s, as shown in the Next Generation episode, with Data going back in time and meeting Mark Twain. That's the one. There you are. Finally, in the DS9 episode, Past 10, Cisco goes back to San Francisco to 2024, a pivotal time in Earth history, referenced in Enterprise, the Mirror Universe episode. Also, Cisco was mentioned in episode 2, ooh, ooh, and Cisco punched Q in DS9 episode excellent we all love cisco particularly yeah. for when he punches people like you in the face yes <laughs> yes and um, jamie absolutely glad you spotted it as well about france uh good on you yes yes well yes. done jamie uh jamie very knowledgeable about his star trek uh thoughts um and yeah definitely check out past tense the the episode of d space nine that jamie recommends it's a really good episode we were, we were enjoy- enjoying watching it the other day i think particularly because we have these connections now in yeah. star trek picard seeing the other version of it, you know, 30 years ago. And it her. had the the actor from the Gremlins as well, who gets taken out by his, his own uh, digger as well, played by Dick Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the guy that sees Gremlins from uh, the Korean War and ultimately is 
mown down in his own home um, by the digger or the car that the truck that's outside his house in Gremlins, not in, in Gremlins, the of yes, not in past that's tense. A very different uh, uh, episode. <laughs> so yeah, good old Mister Futterman. Yes. Yeah, definitely go and check out that episode of DS9. Really, uh, really good episode, uh, especially because the connections with with Picard. Thanks yeah. so much, Jamie. Yeah, thank you, Jamie. Uh, Heather Wallace says, "Poor, sweet, candid Elnor, you were too good for us." Mm. He even comforted Raffi by getting her to hold his medal as he died. She holds it as she prepares his body for storage and then wears it over her 2024 gear. Nice I'm going to be so annoyed if Rios's story is brought down to a romantic subplot. I'll be even more grumpy if his story ends with him staying in 2024 to be with the beautiful Doctor with a precocious kid. And or Rios is his own great, great, great grandfather. Oh, no. Vomit for either option. Please let it be more original than either of those. Mm. Uh, absolutely, Heather. There will be streets of vomit from the Trekkies, uh, I think, if that happens. Um, yeah. Heather continues, I want to see him resolve whatever issue came up with Agnes. I don't know why, but I'm rooting for the slightly awkward oversharer with the deep attachment for her pet. Oh, wait, I'm Agnes, aren't I? <laughs> don't mind me. I'll just be over here in a corner being quietly assimilated by the board queen. <laughs> I hear resistance is futile. Well, Heather, uh, resist away. You don't want to be assimilated by the old board queen. Unless maybe, like Jurassic, according to our theory, you do get turned into her, then you'll be kick-ass. Uh, Heather, fantastic email. Thank you so much. Yeah, great, great email. <laughs> really good. Uh, loved it. We're all Jurati. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I think from this episode, I feel the Rios romantic relationship subplot is kind of out the window. I think he's yeah. got bigger things to deal with. He I does say goodbye to well. the doctor and it feels like the end of that. He may come back and see her again or, or they may meet up to, to work together, but he it feels like He has to pick like up his out. badge, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but it feels like that's a little bit out, outside uh, the big storyline, thankfully, because you're absolutely right. We don't need a Rios uh, romantic subplot for the next six episodes of the show. That would be an awful use of a great character. Yeah. Well, unless that subplot is getting back with Gerati. Like, they, they resolve, basically, she's about to be turned into the Borg Queen, and through his love and their love of each other, <laughs> oh, no. he pulls her... Yeah, see, that's that, exactly that, what's going to happen. That's exactly gone. what's going to happen now. Well, I've said it. It is yeah. going to happen. Yeah, it, although, that will be like Gone with the Wind in space. <laughs> It'll be horrendous. Mm, although, Chris, we have said you should never write for a TV show because uh, when you play out those kind of storylines, they, they, they don't work. <laughs> no, no. But much like Gone with the Wind, frankly... I just don't give a damn. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Thanks so much, Heather. Thanks, everybody, for your feedback for this episode. We'd love to hear from more of you. Uh, over the course of the rest of the podcast, you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with any of your thoughts about the episodes. You can also join us over on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. Yes, we're also available on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash tvpodcastindustries where you can support us on a reoccurring basis if you so want to. And of course, for a one-off support, uh, we're also over on buymeacoffee.com forward slash TVPI. And just in the door while I was editing, some 
other pieces of feedback in for one from Dr. Bob Phillips over on Facebook. He says lots and lots to love in this episode from the bizarre explanations of the truth of their plight in an ICE cage to the tension of story swapping by bitter but hopeful brilliant single women and the minimalization of Q. Should we call him lowercase Q now? And what a line from Guinan. It just changes clothes this century. It took off a hood and put on a suit. Oh, yeah. Excellent line, Dr. Bob. Uh, yeah, some really, really good stuff in this episode. Thanks for your thoughts. Finally, we have some voicemail in from Mr. Steve Brown with his thoughts about episode four of Star Trek Picard. Take it away, Steve. Hey, TV podcast injuries. This is Steve, and I'm about to watch, uh, I don't know what episode of Picard it is, Watcher. <laughs> Why did they show us the thing with Laris in this previously on? Is she going to be the Watcher? So they are at the Picard Chateau. Typical time travel, memory of things that are yet to occur. <laughs> April 15th, normally tax day in uh, the United States. It's, it's suspicion of disbelief. That guy would not have turned his radio down just from a polite asking. I, I don't know. That, that doesn't make sense. Uh, 10 Forward Avenue. Is it going to be Guinan? Okay, so she actually is Guinan, a younger Guinan. Crazy. Oh, the brave or stupid conundrum faced by every military person, I think, ever. <laughs> Just click it or tick it. The seatbelt, I mean. Uh, Rafi to uh, seven. <laughs> Dang, that's messed up. It's her second time being arrested as an illegal. She's not illegal. Oh, I guess she's going to Uber out. Okay, I'm having some issues with my, my voice recording, so I'm just going to end it here. I wish I could finish the whole episode with you as a live Steve, but uh, uh, that's the message you got in <laughs> the police chase, which is great to me. I love police chases. But uh, all right, talk to you later. Excellent, Steve. I know that's all we got on your live Steve, but uh, well done for guessing that Laris is kind of sort of the watcher because of the uh the preview for the for the next episode uh some great lines in that at that episode so thanks so much for your life steve hopefully we'll get some more from you uh, as we go on through the rest of the season but back to chris john and me in another timeline um, <laughs> to close out the episode yes yes but as we alluded to at the beginning we didn't even allude to we full-on stated we were returning to marvel tv the mcu with moon knight starring oscar isaac May Calamway and the one and only Ethan Hawke. Mm -hmm. Episode 1 arrives March 30th, Marvel Wednesdays, only on Disney Plus. Plus, depending on where you work. But we are in France at Chateau Picard. It is a Disney Plus. Anywho, we are going to be there. We will be podcasting each and every episode of Moon Knight. We're assuming it's <laughs> going to be a hell of a ride. We uh -huh. want you to join along with us. Please join us by... Just following along at tvpodcastindustries.com. Absolutely. Really looking forward to Moon Knight. Can't wait to uh, discuss yeah. that show as well as Picard every week. We'll be back next week with Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 5. Uh, your feedback on the episodes and the next question in our Ted Forward pub quiz. So please make sure you join us next week. Yeah, thank you so much, fellow Trekkies, for joining us. As always, it is a pleasure speaking with you. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep trekking. Bye. Bye.
Back at the Confederation ship, Jurassian Park. Back at the Confederation ship, Jurassic and Picard figure out the clues held subconsciously in Jurati's mind after her connection to the Borg Queen. The Borg Queen? <laughs> <laughs> well, she actually is in this episode. She's, She's just really, hanging out. Really bored. She's literally hanging out really bored. <laughs> uh, will someone get me legs, please? <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we've got the giggles. Uh, uh, 